hope the, um, the supporters will be very pleased with it. Um, but if they're not, obviously I'm sure they're right and let me know. <laughs> a week into her new job, most photographic interest still centres on the managing director, Karen Brady, who balked her wearing full first team kit, settling instead for just the shirt. Football Kit Podcast. Welcome to episode 10. I'm Gav, the Football Kit Geek. I'm Dennis from Museum of Jerseys. And I'm Les of Hull City Kits. In episode 7, we reached the consensus that while there are good templates, bad templates, and a whole spectrum in between, templates themselves are no bad thing. And we decided that one episode alone won't do the subject justice. In our first template discussion, we each nominated two designs for consideration, a template of worship that the nominator appreciates and a template of doom that they find less appealing. Whereas last time we started with what we liked and ended with what we disliked, this time we flipped the order so that we might finish on a positive. So without further delay, Gav, tell us your template of doom. Okay, for my template Doom this time, I'm going for a Reebok kit from 1999-2000. As with many template kits, it's actually named after a location. This one being called Cardiff. Thank you, Les, for that information. And was worn by um, Liverpool, Aston Villa, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Sporting Club de Portugal, Hanover 96, Besiktas, Bolton Wanderers, Utrecht and Crew Alexander. So quite a common kit. It was the one, if I can describe it, that was mainly used as an away kit. It will be most famously known as the Liverpool away kit, the green kit. And it had a white and blue sash, almost a sash. I don't know if I can call it a sash. And that's one of the reasons why I dislike it. But it kind of, the sash goes from probably just above the armpit down to just above the waist. And it's a two colour sash that um, is almost in kind of oblique triangles with white being one of the colours for most kits uh, and then a different colour for um, every other kit to complement the shirt. So for Liverpool's one, it was a green shirt with a navy, dark navy, almost black and white sash. The main reason I don't like it is that it was used everywhere. Every single team that had Reebok that season, uh, as we listed them all off there, had this as at least an away kit Besiktas had it as uh, all three kits, and it was also used as goalkeeper kits as well. So goalkeeper kits had the same template for the away. The only team that I can find that didn't have this at the time was probably, um, along with Liverpool, Reebok's flagship team at the time was Atletico Madrid, who didn't have that shirt. They had standard kind of home look kit, and the away kit actually had an off-centre downward stripe. So they almost had this but played around with it. Um, so that gave it something a little bit different. But this just seemed to be everywhere. And it's just one of the reasons, along with the sash, the kind of the misaligned sash doesn't seem to work for me. I think it was if it was an actual slash with two parallel lines, I think that would have given a, a better design look. But just 
there's just something about it for me that it just doesn't work as a shirt. It just it's a bit grating on the eye, and I'm going to blame the sash. I must say, I can't say this design offends me. In fact, I would argue it's probably one of the better Reebok designs of that era because I don't, I don't think they covered themselves in glory. The only fascinating fact I've got is it got used once the following season by Liverpool. They played Bradford City away. Of course, their home kit was red, but they also had the amber and navy away kit that season. So they pulled it out of mothballs for the trip to Bradford in 2000, 2001. Maybe last game of the season. I think, did Bradford win to stay up? Just got a memory of that flashing as you said. So it was definitely late in the season. I think it was 1992-2000, Bradford stayed up in the last day. But what I found interesting about Liverpool regurgitating it the following season was that they also played Barcelona that season and because the home and away and that green kit weren't suitable, they actually had to wear the following season's away kit as a fourth kit. But I digress. I don't I don't hate that design. One thing I dislike about it is that I think everyone had the, the sash broken for the sponsor, did they? Yep. Yeah, that's I, right. I, I think you could have made an allowance to have the full sash and you know, work the sponsor with a, a thick outline. I think that might have improved it a little bit because, you know, you, you weren't seeing where the... Although the colours swapped, did they, below the break? Uh, yeah, they kind of... Yeah, they were kind of almost... The, the two triangles with the... You know, so they do... And the midpoint is about where the sponsor is. So they do yeah. like they swap over, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I suppose if you didn't have it broken, you'd have to have a, a plating effect or whatever. So that mightn't actually look as good. Maybe if you just had the unbroken sash without the swap over. Harking back to the previous episode, I liked Liverpool's goalkeeper version when it was worn with the away. It worked well. But yeah, I, I can see why, why you'd choose it. You know, a few variations mightn't have been a bad thing. Even the sash going the opposite direction or just having the sash coming to the sponsor and not continuing below it, a bit like uh, Puma did a couple of years ago. Good call, good call. Dennis, what about you? It was known as Nike Victory, um, the, the the Chevron, basically, that Manchester United had in 2009-10. And again, it's not, it's not a design that I find offensive, but it's just, the, I suppose, the use of this design. Uh, how would I describe it? Basically, like... The, the way it normally is with team wear, a big team has it one season and then the following season you see a lot more with teams in the, the lower leagues and then, you know, it might last two seasons maybe and, and that's it, it's kind of done. With this one, United had it in 2009-10 and I, I did a blog post on that set of kits and kind of worked fairly well. They had a nice white goalkeeper version with a red chevron, which would have been better as an away shirt, I feel. It was only worn once by the goalkeepers because they hated it. And then the away was black with blue with a blue chevron. And I felt if that was to be used, it would have been better with red and it would have saved them having two extra sets of white shorts and socks. But again, that's specific to United rather than specific with the template. In 2010-11, nobody had it. And then in 2011-12, Scunthorpe had it for their home, Southend had it for their home, Dundee United had it for their home. So that, that's two years after United had it. 2012-13, Fleetwood, Oxford, Southend, Doncaster, all had it for their ways. Doncaster had it for their third as well. So this is three years after it was introduced. And then 2013-14, 
Scunthorpe had it for their away two years after having it for their home. So by the time that season came to an end, it was five years after Manchester United had been given that design. And of course, because it's a Nike team wear style for lower division teams, it's only two colours. Like it's the kind of design where a third colour would say trim on the chevron would have really lifted it or even just having the collar and cuffs in a third colour compared to the chevron in a second colour. But I know how it is with, with team where they're looking to reduce costs and make it more accessible for lower division teams. So you're only having to work with, with the two colours. Dundee United actually ended up starting the season with black shorts in the home kit and then having tangerine shorts on the black and white third kit. But that looked awful. So they ended up swapping the shorts after a few games. But yeah, basically it was just that it, it, it just became stale, I think, just through not being um not being refreshed um the way that, that manufacturers normally do with, with team air designs. And the funny thing is in the years after it there was another kind of Chevron one where you had a a yoke basically at the top and then two two stripes of a chevron allowing the colours to switch below the yoke. But the the victory one was just kept far too long. Mm, it's all a bit nineties rugby league, isn't it? But I'm I'm not yeah. surprised that Scunthorpe aren't at the cutting edge of a football kit fashion. That's for sure. <laughs> are, are you are you playing the man rather than the design there? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> One thing I <laughs> not, do not like that whole Scunthorpe. city have played Scunthorpe in in a long time, and I think they've uh, they've been jettisoned to uh, to non-league now. But you know, yeah, a bit of two-footed challenge while I can. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the fact that Scunthorpe have their colours and use them in a lot of different styles. I like, I like when a team does that. Not to everyone's taste, I admit. Yeah, the Rugby League is a call-out. I mean, straight away, I think of kind of Great Britain, Lions, Australia, kind of that kind of thing. But I think the uh, you called out the tailored-by versions. I think Northern Ireland had one. I think um, they also done something similar with the straight bands as well in the tailored-by. I think Lille had that. I think Bilbao had the. It was almost a, an extension of that, I think. Yeah, Bilbao. Bilbao had a green away with red and white straight across. And the same season, Cork City had the Chevron. Yep. Green with, oh, with okay. white and red. And the away then was red with white and green. And I would rank that design far higher than the victory one just yep. because of the, the third colour availability. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a good example of how that pulls that design out. Les? Well, because I went with two Umbro designs in the first template episode I wanted to mix it up a bit in this one and I wanted to choose a template I like from a company I tend not to and vice versa brand I really respect that produced a template that I thought was a stinker and the one I'm going with is an Adidas template I don't know the name of it but it was the most prominent three-stripe design at Euro 2004 so it was used by France Spain and Germany at that tournament. Other international versions were Argentina and Japan. And then later it was worn by clubs, Real Madrid, Newcastle had a third kit in it, AIK Stockholm, Shakhtar, Schalke, Rosenborg, and there'll be others. The problem with it, or at least the problem I have with it, I should say, is just how fussy and over-designed it was compared to the Adidas kits before and, and after it. So Adidas retained the, the dual layer concept. Nike had moved away from that after the 2002 World Cup. Adidas stuck with it, only now they, they stitched the two layers together. And 
it sort of had the effect of making the shirts feel quite bulky because each layer was quite thick. The dual layer extended to the neckline too, and this is where I think the shirt really went wrong. I thought that was the most over-designed as- aspect. So there's, it's like a cut-out section either side of the V-point, and then underneath that there's this like mesh inner layer, and usually that was in like a contrast colour. Now, I get the, the dual layer concept, you know, when we had Greg Buglis on in episode five, he said it works like a convection chimney, vented panels, drawing air, and that cools down warm areas. But the idea this is going to work on the neckline as if it's like, you know, those like air intake holes you get on the front of jet planes or, you know, muscle cars. It it just it seems like a bit of a stretch to me that that would genuinely make any difference in a in a sort of performance sense. And also it, it just it just looked like a mess. The mesh panels on the side was overdone. They came in so far that they almost joined up on on the front of the shirt. It was a different material because it was mesh. You know, sometimes it'd reflect the light differently. And and even if you had the mesh panels in the same colour as the shirt, it would still look quite jarring and and almost make it look a different colour to the the main body. But other bits were fussy too. So on the back, you had like a scalloped hem, but on the front, it sort of went the opposite way and, and sort of curved upwards and i think details like that the devil is in whether they get retained if something's useful enough that you might still see it you know a a template later down the line but you know by the time team guys did come that idea had gone they'd just gone to 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 the usual uh curved hem and i just yeah it was just another needlessly fussy detail on what felt like a pretty charmless template. So really not a fan of this one. I think maybe the best of them, perhaps Argentina's Navy away, but the one I liked the least was Spain's home. And and from the front of the shirt, it, it was all red. But again, because it had lots of panels that were made of different materials, you, you could see every one of them that was different. And I just think it made him a bit of a mess. Now, I mentioned earlier about not knowing the name. What's fascinating is when it came to clubs rather than internationals, there appeared to be almost a single layer version of this, but it was a little bit different. So it was the one that Milan as the home shirt, uh, Bayern had it as the away. So even the the collar, the neckline was was single layer. The, the vents coming in from the sides weren't as big. It, it was clearly related even if it wasn't the same shirt. And that version was called the Ezeza, which is named after Argentina's training complex. But I don't know if that's for just for the simplified version or whether it, you know, crosses both of the designs and maybe one's Ezeza 1 and one's Ezeza 2. But um, I've not been able to find that, though. But that one, I just, I couldn't get on with that shirt. And yet, bizarrely, I remember actually buying the Spain shirt. It must have been a... It was £10 in all sports, and why not pay £10 for it? But even then, the you know, as a replica, because that was single layer rather than dual layer, the mesh panels on the side felt really scratchy, so I didn't like it in a player version, didn't like it in a single layer version replica. Don't know why the hell I bought it. Don't own it anymore. Don't think that's a coincidence. It almost feels like it is over-processing in design. It's putting all those things in because you can rather than they're they're any good they kind of when you describe it it reminds me of the current formula one cars and the over complexity of 
the sides of the cars and you know some look different some have got different shapes some are smaller some are bigger some have got bigger intakes some have got smaller intakes it's that it's almost they've done it for the sake of it the, the only one i kind of don't mind is the french one because it has particularly around the neck the inlets at the neck are red are kind of highlighted as different and it just gives it a, a little bit of a break in there but yeah i completely get what you're saying with the others the France one seemed to be one of the only ones that had any kind of print on it as well. They were, they were very plain fronted, whereas they had the like gradiated banding. And Argentina, although Argentina had it for an away and a third, I think, they didn't have it for the home. And that's probably because those vents coming in from the side were so big, it would have just destroyed any stripes on it. So they, they almost couldn't have it for that reason. Yeah, you beat me to it there. I, I was going to say that I thought the name of it was the Azaza, um, thanks to Chester Lesh's um, very helpful recent thread on Twitter. One one thing I didn't like about it was the fact that often the contrast colouring came with the panels on the back of the arms. And I think the Spain away is an example of that. It had it was white with red and yellow Adidas stripes, which, which worked well. But then the back panels were navy and there was navy trim on the shorts and on the tops of the socks but no navy on the front of the shirt so if you saw the kit from the front you're like why is there navy on the shorts and socks and none on the shirt and it, it just made it look very very um unbalanced so i think all that feeds into to what you're saying about it not being a, a design where everything is just thrown in without enough thought given into what works okay well that covers kits we don't like how about some templates of worship gav what's your choice okay i'm going back to the 80s for my choice uh and it's the umbro riviera template it was used between kind of 1985 1988 most famously newcastle and watford so it's a single color shirt with a multicolored split band so the watford one the yellow shirt and had a red band that was kind of three quarters of the shirt with a black kind of diagonal for the for the last quarter surprisingly not as used as you would think um, i could only find six teams seven teams sorry that used it in britain two in england three versions so watford had it as home and away newcastle had it as away in scotland dundee had it as their home rangers had it in, a, in their away and it was the only collared version i think the rangers one and motherwell i think had it as an away although i can't find any evidence of that other than kind of some sh- like match worn shirts can't find any pictures if it was actually used I, I assume it was and then uh, Glenn Torin used it in Northern Ireland as well uh, at a green version with a red and black band just for me it's a classic look and something different and you know chess bands you know the only team that I can think of with chess band is Sampdoria you know other, other than that it's not something you see in shirt design so this one I think really stands out I think it's a it's a classic look you know, 80s Watford, it's probably the shirt that you'll think of straight away. Gaza starting his career in Newcastle uh, in the silver with the black and white version. Again, what we talked about in the last part about nostalgia. You know, you think about these things and these kits spring to mind. The Watford away, which was a white shirt with a red and yellow, uh, red and black band, but also had a, a yellow trim also had the split band on the shorts in a vertical band i'm not sure if that was used anywhere else i I don't think so i think that was the only kind of time it was used with that shirt and the other thing that i found as well is it also 
it's the first time I've seen in when we've been talking about these templates, a template transfer across to tracksuits. So Celtic had a version, Arsenal had a version, and you know, both very similar with a white and navy, maybe even black for Celtic are a smaller part of the band, but tracksuits that kind of match that template. Now it's a shame that the those two teams didn't have the kit as well. So, you know, the matching kit and shirt template. But I think it's a good look and uh, something, just one of them classic 80s templates. Everyone knows, instantly recognisable. Just a shame it wasn't used as uh, as much as it could have been done with those teams. Yeah, similar to the, the Sanity N template I talked about in the last episode, it's a design that is really well known, well established as part of Umbro's classic shirts pantheon but really wasn't used that much i think rangers they only wore their version in like a friendly game in dubai against everton you know they had it for a long time but just didn't didn't really use it and it, it's a little bit of a surprise that that more teams did, didn't use it and i was thinking as well of you know teams that go with a, a band across i think the main one I tend to think of is Middlesbrough in the 70s, but yeah. perhaps it wouldn't have suited them because their banding tends just to be a white band on a red kit. So you can't imagine what the third colour would be. I think you make a really good point. I think it ties into why this makes quite a good away template, because you can have the elements of the home kit colours included in. That goes back to kind of conversations we've had before, but particularly the Newcastle one with the black and white as the band, it just gives that kind of distinct look to that team to their away kit as well i think it's a a really good solid just classic looking shirt yeah i fully agree uh not to sound like a broken record but the three colors really help it and i think the proof of that is that watford's kit looked just as well with black shorts and socks as it did with red shorts and socks and a a good years back someone asked me to do fantasy kit friday all red and all black versions of, of Watford for that and they looked um, they look very good as well. So firm thumbs up for me. Barcelona about 10 or 11 years ago had a version in aqua with the, their two colours on it which is, is exactly what you're saying. Adidas used something not unlike it for a goalkeeper kit in the late 90s but it wasn't very widely worn and not in a lot of colourways so kind of a missed opportunity. And funnily enough, when I was doing the research on the Nike Victory template, I came across a lovely Oldham Athletic third kit by Cabrini with basically that Umbro design, only the split was centred rather than slightly to the left, white with blue and grey, and it just looked smashing. So it's a timeless design, I'd say. Yeah, it's, it's one I'm surprised hasn't been revisited more. And so we've got a handful of examples in the 35 years since it was first launched, so... Yeah, you think Umbro would want to kind of lean into it a bit. I think they might have re-released the tracksuits, but I've not seen any effort to, you know, equip a, a team with it. And we've seen, certainly the last few years, we've seen Umbro really dive into their archive of, of classic patterns, whereas now they almost appear to be moving away from that bit. I guess our big hope will be Umbro Brazil, because they seem to do their own thing, and they absolutely love picking out classic 80s and 90s pattern and bringing them back to life it would look good with whole shirts as well i can imagine a whole city away shirt black with the amber and white that would be a great look 
I'll take it right now if you're offering. <laughs> okay, Dennis, your turn. Yeah, I am going for the design known as Chelsea by Adidas, which confusingly was about two decades before Chelsea ever actually wore Adidas. I don't know what their basis was for their um, the naming of their templates in the 1980s. Everton was another one. But basically this featured, it was a fair, fairly... Very simple design in terms of a round neck wrap over neck, but what kind of gave it its pizzazz was alternating diagonal pinstripes. And again, the fact that you had two accent colours in the 80s was, was definitely kind of, you know, for Adidas, it, it was out of the ordinary in that time. And you you just ended up with some some excellent, um, excellent kits. A lot of different countries had it. I think Portugal had it home and away. Sweden had it. In only two colours, again, which which kind of um, showed that it, it was versatile enough to be used in two colours. I think Romania's version was nicer with the blue and red. I think the USA had it. Soviet Union had it as well. At club level, I, th- I think Bayern, Bayern Munich were the first team to use it. They only kind of used that design or seemed to use it in Europe. And it was a kind of a time when they were guinea pigs almost for Adidas, premiering or, or trialling designs. And... They they had they had home and a home and away versions of it. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen when they won the UEFA Cup had a nice one, white with red and black. It was it was just versatile and it was able to be tailored to each team that wore it. And even even I think the USA's version, white with the red and blue, had a blue collar and stripes, whereas Bayern's version with the red and blue had a red collar and stripes. And it was enough to differentiate it. If I'm being picky. And not knowing enough about design or manufacturing capabilities at the time, I'd have suggested maybe a bit more experimentation, like we'll say a Germany design with three black, three red, three gold, rather than having them alternating. And funnily enough, Germany's 2012 shirt was kind of a nod to that design, just with one stripe in each colour. Or what they could have done, and it would have been a lot more manageable, would be to have pinstripes in one colour and then the neck and the Adidas stripes in a different colour but like I said I'm being picky as it was it was very good I think any of the examples that exist can still stand as being as being solid designs so I'm happy to um, put forward its candidacy for worship No I'll go with that one it's fascinating the evolution of templates not just by Adidas but practically all companies in the 80s it, it started with vertical shadow stripes then it went to pinstripes then it went to diagonal pinstripes and then some tried crisscross and then sort of pinstripes went away for for quite a while it was just fascinating the way you know umbra did that adidas did that you know just uh, seemed to be the direction that was all taken curiously portugal's home version had a green crew collar at Euro 84. But then when they started playing qualifiers for Mexico 86, it switched to a, a white collar and the three-stripe colour on the sleeves sort of alternated order yeah, from one, yeah. one at Euro 84. Um, and, and actually, I forgot to say, when I mentioned Leverkusen, a couple of years ago, they did a, a retread of it, but obviously they're, they're gone from Adidas now. I think they're with the company that a lot of people probably call Jaco, but as it's German, I presume it's probably Jaco. But 
it was it was a nice um a nice copy of it, but I think I think I'd like to see Adidas revisit it, but you know, maybe it's not not feasible nowadays. I've just seen a uh, Yugoslavia away version. Um, yeah, and sorry, it's got Yugoslavia and Iceland as well. I should have said. Yeah, they got the red and white, blue Adidas stripes on the sleeves. So you've got that stripe in color, and then the pinstriping as well. It just gives it a fantastic overall look. Yeah, so we're all all in agreement. Does that mean it goes in room two or two? Three <laughs> yeah, or yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And Les, what are you picking to follow it? Well, I said I'd pick a brand I'm not usually enamoured with, and I'm going with Puma because they seldom do it for me. But one template I think is lovely. It's from 1990 to 92, and it was popularised by Austria because it was the basis for their Italian anti-home and away. And it's quite bold for the Austrians because they had some really staid kits throughout the 80s and even since Austria always seems to be one of those nations that gets the templateiest of templates and they very rarely stand out whereas I, I really thought they did um, at Italia 90 and it worked a bit like the the West Germany kit at the uh, so it's certainly the home kit of the time where it was a, a fairly simple base but with an abstract pattern over the top of it so the the primary shirt was white with a black v-neck line and a polo collar but then on the right shoulder is worn there's this vertical pattern of a band of black stripes on a white field and it they twist around at the crest level and then fan out towards the bottom of the shirt getting wider across the lower half and i think it's beautiful absolutely beautiful and they were clever to stack the puma logo on top of the austrian fa so that they didn't need to interrupt the pattern and he looked great on the change too. So that was a red shirt with the white twisted stripes. And I would argue this is Austria's best set of kits. And to say that I don't often like anything Puma does, I, I think it's Puma's finest template. I mean, the the rule breaking Cameroon kits might be more famous or infamous, but I just think this is the, the finest uh, thing they ever did. And it didn't get overused much too. Cologne had a white home shirt with red twist stripes and the away replicated the red with the with the white pattern didn't quite work as well with them because both the puma logo and the samsung sponsor broke the pattern up but that to my knowledge is it for for that design and i i don't have any of the uses but i just think that one was beautiful yeah i'd agree and again surprising it it um wasn't wasn't seen more it, it's very eye-catching and Puma at that time had a lot of eye-catching designs, but this is still restrained enough that, like you say, it could be used, you know, by a, a country at the World Cup, you know, where often people want traditional-looking kits. So, yeah, it's it's definitely disappointing that we don't have more more designs or more versions of it to, um, to look back on. Yeah, I think the way they've used the Puma logo is a real standout there. Uh, and like I said, it doesn't break the design and it just gives it a different feel. And also it's it's the wording and the Puma cat as well in, in the logo, which is unusual. Mm. I don't remember seeing that maybe at the time of uh, 1990 that it was more that look, but it just gives it a, just a, a classic look. It's a pretty hefty 
Austria logo as well, wasn't it? So they, they went with a, I think they might have gone with a slightly smaller Puma logo just to sort of make up for it. But it certainly was a good choice. Good. Excellent. Well, I definitely will uh, agree as a template of worship on that one. So those are our selections and we've ended positively with fine examples of the craft. So we've asked our listeners and our Twitter followers to give us some thought of their templates of doom. Those designs that they feel should be thrown in the bin, which is then hurled into the sea. What nominations have we got then, chaps? Well, Andrew Gillen chose a design that we we spoke about earlier. Uh, He's not keen on V-shapes, so he he picked the Umbro Chevron template. So we talked about Adidas's esoteric naming for designs a while ago. Umbro basically just said what they saw. He said it wasn't a bad template, and I would agree with him that way, but... He just said it seemed that every club in Northern Ireland seemed to have it around 2011 or 2012 for a home or away kit. Plus, the Northern Ireland away shirt was cursed. I think we lost every game we played in it and didn't even manage to score a goal. The National Football Shirts account, they nominate the Regista 10 template. They didn't nominate it by name, more in the context of that it was handed to several nations. So it was given to Cyprus, Faroe Islands, San Marino, Andorra. And tweeting, they say, specifically this bland piece of nothingness that Adidas provided teams with, which didn't allow for any national identity, for example, changing San Marino's blue. And that's a good point, because San Marino had a very aquary, distinct blue. And with this one, they just got a really bog standard royal blue colourway. So, yeah, there were some kits that didn't look too bad in. Hull City had that in a wear shirt and it, it looked all right. I think Nigeria had it in the 2010 World Cup, but some of the examples of it, yeah, were were very, very drab indeed. Was that basically those countries, were they in that kind of um, job lot deal that the Joma had and now it's gone to... Area, yeah. Area. You wait yeah. for a kit assistance program. Sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah, so like that was probably something that was just treated as a chore by Adidas, whereas... I'm looking forward to seeing what Aria come up with. Scouse Perlo asks, Easy, the 2016 night template with the weird accent coloured socks. Well, I recommend, Scouse Perlo, that you listen to episode seven, the first template discussion that we had, where we discussed this template at great length. And you'll find that it was my template of worship. I love this template (laughs) and I will not go on about that any longer. You can hear a very lengthy discussion about that. So sorry, Scouse Perlo, I'm not with you on that one. Uh, Like a member of the UN Security Council, you vetoed that one. (laughs) Port Vale fan Will Stanway, he tests the very definition of what a template is because he nominates his own side, his own side's 2020-21 kits, or as he calls it, the dartboard design from last season. Now, he reasons that the pattern featuring on the keeper kit as well as the home kit makes it a template. Now, remember, we spoke to goalkeeper Scott Brown about that kit because it was designed by Robbie Williams. And we mentioned that when we interviewed him in episode three. But I'm going to call Fowley because, yeah, it's used across two types of kit, the outfield and the goalkeeper kit. But for me, that doesn't make it a template because it was designed just with Port Vale in mind. And I believe... A template is a design that's available to any team that wants it. Am, am I alone in that belief? Are we are we codifying what a template is here? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I would fall down on your side of it without ridiculing Will's idea. So I should also be in the UN. The parallel I would draw 
is Switzerland's 1990 to 92 kits, which featured a very um, out there kind of mix of stripes with the, the cross. It was made by a company called Blackie and it, it featured on their home and away and also green and yellow goalkeeper shirts and it all looked very well together. But because it was bespoke for Switzerland, it you know, it couldn't be used by anyone else. So we have to come up with a term for these kind of things, basically. Mm. Designs yeah. always seem less templatey when it's a lesser known brand as well, isn't it? Because, you know, you might only know them for for one kit that they've produced and you might have no idea who else they, they, they produce it with. And there's, there's often that thing of, do you go with a bigger brand that'll give you a template or do you go with a smaller brand that might give you something that might not be bespoke, but we'll look at it. I remember Sheffield Wednesday fans were really unhappy when they got Sondico making their kits. But I was thinking it probably is a template, that Sondico kit, but they don't supply that many people. So it almost looks bespoke from from that point of view. Yeah, but a kit made out of goalkeeper glove material can't be comfortable. <laughs> Indeed. We got a, a very late tweet from Rodrigo Lara Vison of Ecuador. He denounced the 2015-2016 Adidas kits that were notable for gradiated shorts, and they were issued to Milan and Juventus for third kits. And he also added that 2015-2016 was a terrible year for kits. But this might be another one for the adjudication panel. Does this one count as a template, given the differences on each of the teams that were supplied it. Yeah, I don't think we can count this one as a template. This is design choices. And they're although there's a, a similar feel uh, and they're in the same area, they they look completely different and they're different design choices. They're not a template for me. Yeah, each club had the, gradiate, the gradation done in a different way. I would contrast it with Nike's third kits that season where every club had the same design in a different kind of highlighter color fading into black that clearly was a template whereas adidas tried to be a bit more considered it they were still what, what would you say a, a third kit design ethos but they weren't cookie cutters hmm. and his complaint about 2015 and 16 kits makes even more plausible the brilliance of the nike vapor kits in 2016 <laughs> <laughs> And I think that's where we'll leave it for episode 10 of the Football Kit Podcast. Thanks to you for listening to our kit views and thanks to those who contributed views of their own. We'll return with episode 11 and we hope you'll join us then. <laughs>